One of the guys said that uh, our strength is in Christ and our focus is not on me, so don't look at me. I'm just the, I'm just the waiter. I'm not the cook. The cook's up there, and the message comes from him. I just deliver the food hot and on time, so bear with me. I want to take this opportunity, since I got control of this microphone, what a power I have in my hand. <laughs> I want to introduce the Montana Bible College staff. I've had the privilege over many years of, of working with them. What a dedicated, loving group they are. When you talk about discipleship, you talk about those people. Would they stand, the staff from Montana Bible College? All of you, come on up. I get revenge. Thank you. What a group. What a dedicated group. Any one of those people could be out in private business making tons of money, but they, they chose the Lord's direction to be here and serve you people and disciple you young people, the future leaders of our churches in our schools, and our Bible colleges. I appreciate the opportunity to come to you today and talk to you uh, in a way I do and a way I don't, because I'm not a public speaker. I don't like to get up in front of people and talk. Some people will disagree with that, but I don't. But this is a real opportunity for me to share with you my testimony today. And I want you to walk away with this, not thinking about me and my testimony, but how this testimony applies maybe in your lives in certain areas. So, I ask the Lord, may the words from my lips and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to him first and to you. I want to start by laying some foundation, the foundation of who I am, where I came from, and who's... I came to be. As a little boy growing up in Badgerland, Wisconsin, in the 30s, yeah, I am that old. I really am. It was during World War II and the uncertainties of the war. I was afraid all the time. Fear was my middle name. They should have named me William Fear Curtis. Because fear was part of my system. Because of the effects of the war, the uncertainty, the food rationing, the deaths that came in to our neighbors and our family from the war, the victory gardens that we raised, the sugar rationing, the clothes rationing, everything brought on fear. Some of you are shaking your heads in the audience you remember those days. Thank you. Fear played a, played a big role in my life. It's unbelievable to say that, but it's true. Everything I feared. When I was 11 years old, my mother left us four kids because my dad died of cancer. She just up and left. I, being the oldest, 
I being the, I got my papers all mixed up already, but I being the oldest, I had the responsibility to take care of the other three kids, my brothers and sisters. It wasn't an easy task. My grandmother took it and raised us kids. Then my mother came back home, and the three kids, three brothers and sisters, went with my mother, and I chose to stay with my grandmother, which was a blessing. We went to church. I went to Sunday school. But that worldly environment around me caused me to continually focus on fear. My middle name. My heroes during the war were Patton and, and Churchill. Amazing heroes. I had a picture on my bedroom wall my, my grandmother got for me. It was a picture of Patton kneeling. Now, for you that know Patton, he, he had a big eagle. He had pearl handle revolvers on the side, and he was kneeling on the floor during the Battle of the Bulge, and his tanks were bogged down in the mud. I mean, mud up to their axles. But he was kneeling, and he told one of his aides, write me a prayer on sunshine. Why didn't he do it himself? I don't know, but, you know, that's Patton. So they wrote a prayer. He got down on his knees, and I have a picture on the wall. I wish I could have saved it, but I didn't. I don't know what happened to it, but showed Patton kneeling, pearl handle revolvers. His back was to, the, to us, and a ray of sunshine, bright golden sunshine, was coming through the window. Beautiful picture. At eight years old, during this period of my life, I can still remember Churchill's famous speech to the British people that Hitler was going to bomb them out of existence. The bombs came every night, every night, every night. But Churchill got before the people, and he said in his famous speech, you have nothing but nothing... To fear, but fear itself. Nothing to fear, but fear itself. Important in my life. Fear causes us to make bad decisions. He paralyzes us into inaction. We'll sit and do nothing. Then our life fills with lost chances. Lost chances to serve, minister, or work for the Lord. Fear does that. God says there's good fear and bad fear. Good fear is fear of God. Moses experienced this continually. Bad fear is the fear of man. Many believers, I feel, go through life, including myself, missing those opportunities because they're afraid to live as God intended them to live. That was me, pure and simple. Yet I still went to bed tonight with, what if this happens? Or what if my grandmother dies? Or what if the war ends and Hitler wins? And what if, what if, what if, constantly. My grandmother had a famous saying for me. She, she called me, Willie, my little worrywart. Bless her heart. <laughs> she had it right on the nose. 
I considered the 11 disciples when I look at Peter when he got out of the boat. I always wonder about those 11 disciples. What were they thinking? Peter, he got out of the boat and walked on the water and had faith until he looked at the waves. And then he sank. Typical of our lives. It was typical of my life. I was 11 years old and 12 years old and I stayed in the boat. Typical. I served in the Navy during the Korean War. I attended University of Wisconsin and graduated with a degree in electrical engineering and went on with a 31-year year, year career with a power company in Minneapolis. I was looking for security, a home, this type of things, because I never had it when I was younger. Stayed with the power company. Unusual today that people stay with a company for 31 years. But I was looking for that security, that job. Life was good. God was good. But I had successes and I had failures in my life. As we, I moved up the organization, my marriage failed. And my two sons were tossed between two different families. I look back on that today, and I was thinking, what, a, what an impact I could have had on my sons if I'd have known the Lord. My ver- worldly view was, however, to change. And this can happen to all of us. One individual in your life that makes an impact. I was an engineer, and I had an engineering philosophy about life, you know, if there's a solution, try it. If it works, fine. If it don't, move on to the next solution. Keep eliminating the solutions. Engineers are different. They're not people people. People person, excuse me, Mary. <laughs> but a guy, I hired a guy, the company picked me to head up the marketing department for the company. Now, for a utility to be known to market their product is unusual. Utilities have the power lines and the electricity, and you take it any way they give it to you. If you don't like it, then you don't get electricity, pure and simple, you know. So that was the mentality, but times were changing, so the utility was going to get in the marketing. I picked of all people, me, to institute a marketing department. Unbelievable. I still can't believe it to this day. But I hired another engineer by the name of Glenn Conradson. And I want you to look at these things that are happening in my life and how the Lord is positioning these things to grow me later on. Glenn came in. He was a quiet guy, like all engineers are. But he loved the Lord. Unbelievable. Loved the Lord. And he let me know it. He told me right up front. I just want to tell you, that the standards I use as an engineer are going to be what God dictates, not you. And I hired him. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. (laughs) God, it was at work. Opportunities presented themselves for me, and I started sharing with Glenn, why are you so peaceful? about everything you do. 
Here are me, I'm going through these opportunities, some successes, some failures. But Glenn had such peace about him. And he says, well, Bill, if you want to know, I'll tell you. I says, yeah, I want to know. My engineering philosophy, here's another thing I can try. You know, if it fails, what am I out, you know? So I tried it. Glenn shared with me. Whoops. And he gave me a Romans map to heaven. This is old, folks. This is really old. I've got it to this day. It's from the Woodcrest Baptist Church in Fridley, Minnesota. Viking land. It's an important point because, be, because Glenn at this time was in Bible study fellowship. You know what happens around here on Wednesdays? The guys say it's perfume alley. But all these women, 300 and some women come here and study the word of God. Bible study fellowship. Keep that right on the front of your, your tongue. It's very important in my, my life. About this time, another person came into my life, a German guy, but this was a beautiful Norwegian woman. We became fast friends, and we became, we became, we started attending church together in Minneapolis. I remember there was a covenant church right across from the Metrodome. You know, they had quite a program on, uh, on uh, Sundays, they got the church service done ahead of time, and they opened the parking lot to the Viking games. Made a ton of money. What a program. <laughs> this beautiful lady came into my life, and she also, she knew the Lord at the time I did. We were on Easter Sunday in an April in this church. It was a covenant church. And they had an altar call. I took her hand, and we went down the aisle, and we gave our life to the Lord, and she recommitted hers. Sorry, I apologize. Shortly afterward, we were married. I retired, and we moved to Montana. Looking back on that part of my life, I, like Peter, got out of the boat. Finally, and responded with faith to God's direction. And God unleashed all his power at that time and set his work motion in my life. He started working on me with his power. We got involved in Grace Bible Church here. We received solid biblical teaching from Pastor Brian and continued to grow spiritually. I served on the deacon board Later on, the church building committee. Then Janet, Janet at one point got involved in Bible study fellowship. Remember? Remember back there? Glenn Conradson? God was at work. And when a men's class started here in 2000, I got involved. Bible study fellowship. I got involved with Montana Bible College Board. I got involved in Love, Inc. 
I was involved in about anything you could you could come up with, including archery, bow hunting, and fishing, and everything else. But those experiences became a framework for God that He was using to develop me and my and His strength in us for the next journey in our life. Journey after journey. In 2009, at BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, here we are again, we were studying the book of John. One of the recurring themes in John was, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look fully in his face, and the things of the earth will go, glad, will go strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. I saw Peter when he was on the boat, when he kept his eyes on Jesus. Kept looking at Jesus. He walked on the water. I saw Jesus keeping his eyes on the Father when he was on the cross. Seemed we were face, we were to face these kind of venues throughout the year, the coming year. I'd like to call these challenges opportunities. To focus on Jesus and not our circumstances at the time. One of the principles from our Bible study fellowship studies, I always like to apply it to my life. I have no problems. These are all opportunities the Lord is giving me to grow. They're an opportunity to focus on Jesus, not on our circumstances. One of these principles from our Bible study, and we have many each night as we study the Word of God, our first opportunity came in early February when God pointed out that it was time after eight years living with us that Janet's 96-year-old mother was ready to move to assisted living. Little did we know that with this decision, God was preparing our hearts for the next opportunity. While in Minnesota that year, I fell and broke four ribs and my collarbone. The doctor really questioned where my collarbone broke because it was in the real thick bone area. So when I got back to Bozeman, it was a long trip that that summer to Bozeman, but I got back here, I found out that I had bone cancer. I can't deny that hearing that word shook Janet and I's world to the bottom. There are many tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, speak Lord in the stillness while I wait on you type of moments. There must be a better way to focus here in Bozeman during the summer with cancer. We were looking at radiation, chemo pills, side effects, medical bills, doctor's appointments. And then again, Bible study fellowship was to start. That was my ministry. God, I said, what plans do you got do you have for me for my ministry? Can I continue to serve? God was good. His mercies are new every morning, day and night, every morning, day and night. My treatments went well. I started BSF on heavy doses of chemo that fall. We were right where God wanted us, 
right where he wanted us. Just a closer walk with him. We just asked the Lord. We didn't ask the Lord for healing, but we asked the Lord for prayer. That Our prayer was that we continue to trust in him and his plan. He truly was in charge of our lives, not me. We faced many opportunities where there was no other way, but we had to trust in Jesus. We had no other choice. Trust in and obey and lean on his everlasting arms. We were grateful for the many that lifted us up before the throne. We were so glad for all the people, our churches, that were praying for us. Prayer is so important. Share your concerns with your fellow students, with your faculty, and ask them to pray for you. Later on in October that year, God showed us that this time Janet had medical problems. Here I was taking chemo treatments at Bozeman Deaconess. She ultimately was sent to Salt Lake City in late December for further tests. And she was diagnosed with a stomach tumor. Stomach tumor. Surgery was scheduled a month later at Salt Lake in Huntsman Cancer Center. To have your wife scheduled to go to cancer treatment, and you're sitting here in Bozeman and can't leave. This is devastating. Excuse me. Apologize. I'm supposed to be that tough engineer. Not so. To have your wife scheduled for cancer treatment, you couldn't go, but there are many friends that pulled alongside of us and took her down there. Did I worry? Yeah, you know I worried. And then God reminded us of a song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow, All Fear Is Gone. And Philippians 4, 6, and 7 became my strength. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what I needed and thank Him for all He has done for me. If you do this, you will experience His peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God gave us perfect peace. I was totally at peace as my wife was undergoing surgery in Salt Lake City. If I run over, will they fire me? <laughs> While I was at cancer treatment in Bozeman uh, Cancer Center, one morning, one Wednesday morning, I went in for, for treatment, and I met a young man. You all know him. His name was Bob Hershey. Everybody know Bob Hershey? Montana Bible College student. He was volunteering there at the cancer center. I didn't know him at the time, but at five years old he had cancer and God healed him. This young man, Bob Hershey and I became close friends. 
He urged me to get involved in discipleship. Never heard the word. I heard it, but, you know, it's, it's in the Bible. It's an important word. We're all disciples. Monta- I was on the board at Montana Bible College at the time, and they, they instituted this discipleship program, which I thought was great, so I got involved. Five years later and eight men later, it continues to enrich Janet and my lives, and hopefully of these young men also. When we started the ministry, Janet came up with this funny saying, I'll feed their stomachs, you feed their souls. I don't know how much feeding the souls are, but their stomachs really got fed because every Wednesday they come over and we have a big meal. She's got it already cooked in the refrigerator. You guys are getting egg casserole and homemade bran muffins tomorrow morning. Recently I read the book Unbroken. How many have read the book Unbroken? Beautiful, thank you so much. It's a beautiful book that tells the story about a guy similar to me. His rough childhood, he started smoking at five, picking up cigarette butts, on the, and he just did everything he could to antagonize the police and his family. His name was Louis Zamperini. I hope I'm getting it right. His goal was always to run in the Olympics. He never made it but one. That was the Berlin Olympics of 1936. He was called into the war, lived the same period of time I did. His plane crashed in, in 93. I'm only going to give you some highlights here because I see on the clock on the wall, if I don't end at the right time, you don't get lunch. So, His plane crashed thousands of miles of ocean, Sharks, and he struggled on a life raft for 46 days. On the 46th day on the life raft, unbelievable, 46 days. But God used his childhood as innovation for him to survive so God could continue in his life. There were two guys left on the raft out of Ten. Sharks got the rest. One was Phil, his friend, a religious man. On July 12th of that year, the Japanese, they saw the island of the Marshall Islands. The next day, the Japanese picked them up. They spent two and a half years in prison under the supervision of a guy called Birdman. Later on in his life, he went back to find this guy and forgive him for the many sins he did against him. Birdman hated Americans and he hated values. August 9th he was rescued and on September 14th a tall blonde guy got off the train in downtown downtown Minneapolis in downtown Los Angeles. His name was Billy Graham. He was the youngest president Youngest president of a Bible college or Bible seminary or whatever it was in Minneapolis at the time. He was 36 years old. Janet and I were later married at Northwestern College, which 
was the old, old, old Bible college. Louis, Louis had taken up drinking, and they were in the process of getting a divorce. Sounds familiar. His wife talked him in as a last resort to go to the Billy Graham concert. He says, I got nothing to lose. So he went, but he sat in a back row so he could leave with nobody seeing him. He left, and the next night he went back. And Billy was giving a message and saying, come forward, come forward. And he remembered on that raft... The promise he made to God. Lord, if you save me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Lord, if you save me. How many times have we done the same thing? Lord, save me, and I'll serve you the rest of life. The rest of my life. He went forward, and the war was over for Louis. In January of 1998, he finally got his chance. He lit the candle at the Japanese Olympic Games. This book I I share with you, and I urge you to read it, because it's a testimony of a man with an unforgettable journey, very similar to mine. The movie is going to come out in December. I urge you to get the book and read it. I've left out so much that's so rich and so powerful of how God worked in this man's life. Before I close, I have one more recommendation that I want to share with you to inspire you and help guide your life, to enrich your life. If you need a list of books, see Mrs. Turner. (laughs) Mrs. Turner when I first came down with cancer, gave me a list of these books. I started reading some of the books on her list. Some of them I didn't really care for because they were pretty rich books, pretty good books. But I started, I read 13 books that first year. I was in chemo treatment. I had a lot of time, had a lot of time to read. Also, I ask you to hear her testimony. If you haven't heard her testimony, Hear her testimony. I heard it a couple years ago when I was in cancer treatment, and she inspired me. It's a beautiful testimony of how God has worked in her life, as he has mine. Would Janet and I have ordered up these challenges or opportunities in our life? Probably not. I don't think you would have either, you know. But looking back... We wouldn't trade them for anything. Not for the closer work walk with God that we both experienced. And learning that each challenge brought with it an opportunity to see God's work in his hand in our lives. So when someone asked me, how you doing? which they do all the time, which I'm grateful for. I always tell them, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. 
And it's all because of Jesus Christ. So you see, if we look at the what-ifs in our life or our circumstances, it's how we look at them. Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite authors, said, Circumstances are those nasty things you see when you take your eyes off of God. Circumstances are those nasty things you see when you take your eyes off of God. If you look at God through your circumstances, if you look at God through your circumstances, he'll seem small and far away. But if you look at your circumstances through God, he'll draw near and reveal himself to you. What a deal. Look at your circumstances through God. He'll draw near and reveal his greatness to you. So, in closing, to God be the glory for all he's done. He's done in my life, my wife's life, and all the lives that we've touched. What a friend we have in Jesus. Let's pray. I ran over and I apologize for that, but let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity you share to share the work you do in our lives to draw us closer to you for his service and glory. Bless each student here today as they represent the future leaders, the young leaders of our church, our schools, and our Montana Bible College and our future Bible colleges. Also bless the staff for their work and their discipleship. We must remember that if God didn't have a purpose for all of us, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Also bless the food that we're to receive. In the matchless name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.